Okay, so as you guys know, today we have Christina Flack on the podcast. Hi, Christina. Hi, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. We're good. Thank you. Um, so we are really excited to have you on. Uh, you are such an interesting person. We did some research. We've heard you on other <laughs> oh, interviews and podcasts. Um, you're a CEO. You're a celebrity makeup artist. You're a sepsis advocate. You're a mother, among many other things. But yes. um, we kind of want to let you... Introduce, introduce yourself. yourself. So can you give us a little bit of background of just who you are personally and professionally? Well, you're right. My name is Christina Flack. I am the mother of five. I am also five. a CEO and a celebrity makeup artist. <laughs> and I think you guys said everything. I yeah, did. I think <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I kind of did the brief over you. Yeah, exactly. You guys did great. Um, So what we found really just interesting and kind of touching about your story and something that we haven't really talked much about the on the podcast about is the topic of grief. Um, And we know that grief has been prominent in your life um, and you do a lot of advocacy for this, too, and kind of how to um, turn grief into into grace. And so we were wondering if you were able to kind of touch upon that, like how how are you able to turn kind of grief stricken moments into your life and kind of be able to move along your everyday life life with your kids as well through them and be able to grieve yourself while also being able to help them grieve. And can you tell the story about your husband as well, if you feel comfortable with that? Because I think that, yeah, I think that that's a really a nice story Mm -hmm. and and what the sepsis advocacy is for, of course. Okay. So the first, okay. The first question I'll answer. I think the hardest part you know, you never know when someone's going to pass away. You just it, mm-hmm. like it for the, in my husband's case, he got sepsis, he got bronchitis, which turned into pneumonia and he became septic and he passed away in four days. So it wasn't like I was prepared no. with it, with a disease. Like, you know, he didn't have cancer. And so it was very fast and shocking. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was in such shock after it happened and I was so sad and angry and all these different emotions and scared. And I, my daughter, Melania had said to me, you know, mom, you just have to be grateful for the time with daddy. That's all you can do. And I, so I think for me grieving now moving forward, I think if you are grieving and and you're grateful for the time that you have with whomever we all, you know, it's so funny. I hear people all saying, well, if, if something happens to my husband or wife, it's, it's not an, if it's a, when everyone mm. is going to, yeah. to die one day and we, we don't think it's going to happen, but it does happen and it can happen anytime. And I think that's why I try to live my life to the fullest every day and tell everyone that I love, I love you. And I don't like wasting time with people. And if people are not going to be a positive influence or in my life, mm. I, I just don't waste mm. time. And so I think regarding my husband, Ken, uh, was a professional tennis player. And so after uh, he was number one in the world with his partner, Seguso. So after he passed away, the Sepsis Alliance contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to raise awareness for sepsis and to honor Ken. And, and I thought about it for a minute and I thought that would be great. I don't want anyone else to lose their person because they weren't they didn't know what the signs of sepsis okay, are. Right. And so the sepsis, if your listeners want to go to sepsis.org, they, sepsis. there's, when they scroll down, sort sepsis.org, if they scroll down a bit, there's a little uh, timetable thing that says time. And what it time is, is T is for temperature. You can be incredibly hot or incredibly cold. 
I is for infection, M is for mental decline. The, the I for the infection, there's infection in some place in your body, whether it be an infected tooth or a cut, or in my husband's case, bronchitis, which turned into pneumonia, which became septic. Uh, mm. And the mental decline is that it's hard to rouse them. They're just having a hard time clearly. And E is for excruciating pain. They're, okay. You feel like you're dying because you are. You know, you're in so much pain. Uh, sepsis is an infection of the blood that attacks your vital organs. So if you can get tested immediately um, and get to a doctor, they'll put you on a, an IV antibiotic. and you will seen by his doctors at Kaiser. And so he became septic and his organs all shut down. And then his arms and legs turned black from wow. no circulation. And so when I called the doctors in to ask them, well, what, what is going to happen here with the, with the discoloration? They said, well, if he survives, he will, we will have to amputate his arms and his legs. Wow. And I just thought my husband can't golf can't beer, can't love me, hold my hand, see, mm-hmm. you know, walk with his children. I, I can't do that. That's and not so a life we, to live yet. No, it's, it's dreadful. Besides he would have killed me <laughs> in some way. He would never, you know, he would have, I, I couldn't do that to him. So we, right. we had to decide to take him off of life support, which was really horrible, but there was no other option. It would have been, he would have lost all dignity. I would never. Yeah have done that to him. So I had lost previously my mother and my son, Bo, um, my son, oh. Bo passed away on Christmas day, um, when he was four and a half months old. And oh, I'm so sorry. He, uh, thank you. After he passed away, we, I started a educational fund at the Northern light school in Oakland, California for underprivileged children. Uh, and they have a golf tournament every year. And my all my kids have participated in the golf tournament and helped the school and Ken played in the golf tournament. They're all, all different athletes from around the San Francisco Bay area, the 49ers, the giants, the mm. A's, the sharks, uh, all play. And it's really great because the school runs solely grants and donations. And my son, Ben, Bo's twin, uh, in the past five years has raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Which is wow. So extraordinary for playing golf. I'm so proud of him. But this past October, he raised $36,000. And wow. that enabled three children to go to private school for a year, which is fantastic. That's amazing. And <laughs> yeah. So I just feel really proud of my kids for making lemonade out of some very mm-hmm. sour lemons. Right. And I think it helps. For us to grieve in a positive way, helping others, I think, I think it's a really great thing to be able to do. I agree. Um, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, speaking truthfully, we've spoken about this in the podcast before, how me and Sam have never really experienced grief before in our, excuse me, in our family, family. and how you said, um, how people say, oh, if this happens or if this happens, I'm uh-huh. a victim to that because I like almost close myself off the thought of anybody close to me dying. So I'll, my grandfather, for example, is like my best friend and he'll always be like, oh, when I pass, I'm like, no, 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 not when, like you're not going to pass. But that I feel like that does you more harm than good um, because you're kind of yeah. just, you're almost just putting a it's block up. Real. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like false reality. Like we live and then we pass. Right. Well, so I, I think that's I, also, I, I think it's great. I, I understand how you feel because it's just too, for you to fathom it. It's too painful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I understand that. Um, you also, I noticed um, when I was reading up that you are an advocate for mental health awareness as well. And, and you speak a lot about that. Can you, uh, this is kind of how, how I think of grief sometimes too, um, to a certain extent is that, you know, if people, people who are dealing with depression and anxiety, they're kind of mm-hmm. grieving themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked to right. people on here who have talked about their depression and anxiety and almost like they're grieving not a past life, but a former self. Um, if that makes sense. So they're grieving mm-hmm. the person that they need to be. And they're kind of just really sad and depressed of what may be to come. Have you ever experienced something like this? Do you have any experience maybe with your kids who have experienced something like this and can talk on, on that type of kind of depression, and anxiety side of things? Yes. I, I kind of dealing with a friend of mine right now, that's dealing with the grieving of, of past relationship and yes, mm-hmm. past relationship. Yeah. And I, I just think you, Think not everything lasts forever. Some things are, they last for, what is it? A minute, a season or a lifetime or a lesson. Right. And so I just feel that you need to live in the present and enjoy what you have go on now. And, and looking back, it's just a waste of time mm-hmm. you're, because you're not going to be able to experience beautiful things now if you're constantly living in the past. Right. 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 So, and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Finish. And so I don't know. I just think, I think it's just important. And I think maybe because I've had so much loss, I realize the importance of not wasting time of living in the yeah. past. I could yeah. easily be sitting like talking about my husband, you know, my life that I had before with him and how we would travel and we would do all these things. And of course I miss it, but that's just not going to, that's not living life. That's, like living in, it's like being dead. You're not really living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's so very true. I think it's, I try to not think about what I had, but what I have now and to be grateful for what, what was before. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, grieving, when I talk about grieving in a positive way, it's more about doing things for others and trying to be grateful for whatever it is that you had, but, but moving on to experience new love and new life. Right. No, I, I really like that. And that kind of brings a point to that, to what we talk about a lot and that's mindfulness and just kind of being present in the moment. Do you have any, right. Do you have any like tangible, I guess, routines that you do to keep grounded, to keep mindful. We talk, we talk a lot about this stuff on here and we have mm-hmm. some people, we have people come on, they tell us all sorts of things they do, but as someone who's actually, who's dealt with a lot of grief, what are your tangible routines or tools that you do to keep mindful, to keep grateful in the moment for what you, what you do have right now, your kids and the experiences that you guys have now? Right. So it's really, I think the beginning stages of grieving are very painful and difficult. And you just are trying. I remember I kept saying all the time, I just want to feel normal. I just want to feel normal. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I kept, I remember I, my agent called and I said, just find, get me on a photo shoot as soon as possible. And so mm-hmm. seven days after my husband passed, I went and did a photo shoot for third love. It's a laundry brand here in the States. Okay. And I was not okay. Cause my photo shoots are always my happiest place. So I thought, okay, if I can get on set and do a shoot, I'll feel normal again. 
But guess what? I got there and I wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. I was such a mess. And I really had to learn. I like to get things done and speed things along. I am don't, I'm very impatient. And so I I just kept thinking, well, what am I, what do I have to do to get normal again? Mm -hmm. And I really had to take a minute and learn to just sit in this yuck. And I, you know, I, I, I remember just thinking it's, it was really important for me to, to try and not get too hungry, too tired, too thirsty and not work out. So if I knew mm. I was getting a little overwhelmed, okay, did I eat? Did I, did I work mm. out today? And I remember working out twice a day going and, you know, doing a walk or a hike or a ride my horse or go to yoga or Pilates. I did something because it would kind of soften the, the anxiety and the stress. So that was helpful. Mm, okay. And then just knowing that time was the only thing that was going to help to get better. And it's okay. You just have to, and, and being grateful. I did a lot of meditation. I prayed. I took a lot of hot baths. Just doing and, things that made you feel good, kind of yes. made your mind feel a little bit at ease. Yes. Uh, I made sure that my, you know, my home, I would, make sure there were flowers, candles that smelled nice. I really just tried to make my life as pleasant as I could when it was just feeling so yucky. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and I do agree. I think that we are our biggest critic when it comes to when we're not feeling well oh, my, or right? if we're like out of routine, we're like, why, why are you like this? But if it was with a friend, like you said, or a family member, we'd want to nurture them and want to make Absolutely. sure that they're the best taken care of. But when it comes to ourselves, we kind of push that away. So I think being, doing things, even little things, like you said, taking a bath is so important just for mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I work with a lot of, I work with healers and therapists to try and figure out all this that was going on because it was so overwhelming, you know, because of who my husband was, my grief was a lot more public than most people, right. Mm. You know, not everyone is like, they had a Ken Flack golf tournament at the Indian Wells tennis tournament in uh, Palm desert. And they invited me to give out the trophy to the winner of the golf tournament. And I did. And then they had a beautiful on the year anniversary, uh, a video memorial in the stadium of 20,000 people. Wow. I didn't think it wow. was going to be that big of a deal. I mean, it, of course it was a big deal. I didn't think I would feel so much. And yeah. I just remember being there and feeling so exposed that 20,000 people were looking at me yeah. watching that. And it just felt like, whoa, it felt like really intense. So right. it's been a little different, my grieving situation than most people. And in some ways it's nice that he was, who he was, but it's also kind of, right. It was so great because the tennis community was so supportive and kind, but it was also, you feel a little bit more exposed. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do, this is kind of random, but I just kind of, when we were talking about taking care of ourselves, because you're very, you know, you're a CEO of a makeup brand company and you're a celebrity makeup artist and you're into the self-care and your skin looks great. I'm wondering <laughs> what are your top three go-to kind of self-care things for yourself as a makeup artist, just, just wondering what you would do for yourself in terms of taking care of your skin or body. Just curious. <laughs> no, that's a great question. Let's talk about something fun for a minute. Well, mm-hmm. I laid out in the sun today. It was 70 degrees where I am in California. Ugh. So I laid out by the pool. <laughs> We're still doing um our fake tan over here. I've been yeah. applying every single day because I do not want to be pale, but you know, can't lay in the snow. <laughs> no, right. I, I think I um 
I eat incredibly well. I drink a lot of green juice. I work out every day. And I think all of that, I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I, you know, even if I'm in the sun, I wear a hat and sunglasses and sunscreen. Mm. I protect mm. my skin. Um, I wear a lot of face oil to moisturize. I, um, what else do I do? I just think it's important. Just, I try to be happy and smile and laugh and love <laughs> because I honestly know being a makeup artist that people that photograph the best are the ones that are the happiest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying I don't get sad a lot and depressed because life can be bumpy, but I really try to have a positive outlook. I think that's the most attractive thing someone can have is no one wants to be around anyone with a Debbie Downer negative attitude. <laughs> and so, so I think it's important to try and smile and laugh and focus on the good things. There's so many wonderful things in life. I mean, you can, it, happiness is a choice and I mm-hmm. choose to be happy. And at least I strive for that every day. And you also attract good energy when you're happy. And when you're putting out 100%. good energy, you get what you give, right? If you're giving mm-hmm. just moody and being a B word and just being like grumpy, you're going to get that back, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah, so hundred percent so, agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think it's important. I agree. Um, I kind of want to touch on, well, I really want to touch on pretty girl makeup and how, and how that started. Okay. Um, can you kind of give us a little brief history on that, where you started and how you were able to kind of build it up to where you are today, being a mom, and running a household and all of that, how are you able to kind of maintain the CEO status? Oh, I know sometimes it's, it's a lot, <laughs> but um, I can imagine. I started, yeah. <laughs> I started my company, um, in 1999, a really long time ago and I'm oh. self-funded now I'm okay. getting business partners or expanding. But at the time I was a mother driving around and I kept having this battle with drinking water. That's another one of my beauty tips drink a lot of water. Um, I was drinking water and putting on lipstick, lip gloss all the time. It was like this constant battle. I couldn't find one that lasted. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just create my own. Mm -hmm. And then I was on holiday with friends in Hawaii and my family. And my kids were finally the age that they weren't in the swimming pool. Like I didn't need to be in there. I could read my magazine and drink my Mai Tai by the pool. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend uh, was a German model, and she's so funny. She's like, "Honey, look at this. We're pretty girls." And I go, "What the hell does that mean?" And she said, "It means that no one knows we're mommies for five minutes." And I just thought that was the funniest Aww. thing I've ever heard. I go, "That is what I'm going to call my company." So that's how I named it. And then, oh, it's so I cute. With, yeah, so I worked with a, a beauty chemist for about a. I thought it was going to oh, nice. take like two weeks, right? No. It was was so crazy. I worked with this beauty chemist for over a year, formulating the texture and then the colors. And I have girlfriends and family, all different shades of the rainbow. And I wanted my products to look good Mm -hmm. on everybody because I only was able to make, you know, six or seven at the time. And so I would try it on all my friends and they would, I'd take notes and then send it back to the chemist. And so it went, it took considerably much longer and more money and everything. But, and I tell my kids this and anyone that asks about what to do in their life, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to really love it enough that you would do it even if you weren't getting paid mm-hmm. and then figure out how to get paid a lot. So right. I love being a makeup artist. I still, I have agents. I have three different agents that book me jobs. Um, and I love doing that. But I'm running my company. It's it's very you know I being a makeup artist. You don't work 
five days a week. You know, sometimes you don't, you work one or two days a week and sometimes it's on the weekend. It's very erratic. Mm-hmm. And so having the stability of a company is, is I, I really like that because I right. want to have something consistent. Consistency, and so, yeah. Yeah. And so I, it's fun, like on days that I'm on a photo shoot for a couple of days and then I get back into my office and then it's like, I'm so glad to get out of my office and get on a shoot. So it's a, it's a good balance for me. You get, you get the I'm best kind of both of, worlds. Absolutely. I'm kind of a gypsy. I love traveling. I like meeting new people and being in a different place. I, I would have a really hard time being someone that goes and sits in a cubicle all day long. Mm-hmm. I feel like jail. No, for sure. And I guess I kind of want to know too, um, this is also something that we talk a lot about on the podcast is that step towards starting a, a business. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned that you, you had a love for makeup. So of course, like that natural passion kind of right. propelled you to start, but mm-hmm. for people listening, um, what would your advice be for someone who wants to start a business, someone who has an idea, but maybe they're too scared to take that leap, whether it be financially or just scared that they're going to fail <clears throat> in general, that mm-hmm. fear of failure. Okay. I think the first thing that, you know, fearing of failure is not trying. I would be more afraid of not trying than, than doing something that I hate doing. So I would throw that out first, the failure thing. Failure to me is not trying. So that problem is gone. I do like that too. Yeah. The next problem I would say is if you have a normal job, but you love being a florist, you can start doing it after work or on the weekends. And then it's not such a, not everyone is, I was very lucky that I was able to, I had a husband that had made a lot of money and Mm -hmm. will just help me start my company. So not everyone has that luxury. And I, and I know that. So Mm -hmm. I think I would start off just doing it as a part-time thing, or maybe going to work if I, I'm going to use florist again as an example, <laughs> but maybe working part-time in a floor or shop, if you like that and, and see if you really do like it and then know that you're not going to make a lot of money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're just not. I mean, some people do, but it's, you can't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to be making, you know, half right. a million dollars first year. Mm-hmm. You have to like so the I passion think drive. Absolutely. You have to love it enough. You're like, I don't even care if I'm not getting paid. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I, I did a lot of photo shoots, you guys, for free a long time. I did, but it gave me experience. Yeah. And then sometimes it turns into being in a magazine. And I still do passion projects of, I have some, a friend that's a photographer. And so he will, I, we worked on a, a, a documentary for, with Jalen Brown. He's a basketball player with the mm-hmm. Boston Celtics. Um, and then we did another documentary in Los Angeles with this boxer who had a very interesting life story. His, cool. he was homeless. His, his father was in jail for murder and drugs and the mother was, you know, all this terrible childhood, but he is now an incredibly successful boxer and he's found God and he has a really interesting life. I worked on that for two days for free, but it was something that I enjoyed and mm-hmm. you learned from, and, yeah, it was great. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I will do that also because being a makeup artist, I, if I'm hired by Gucci or Louis Vuitton or Carolina Herrera or something, they're very specific on how they want the models look. They want them to have very minimal makeup because the focus needs to be on the clothes and not on yeah. my, 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 my work. Right. Right. So right. their work, <laughs> their work. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not about, <laughs> so um, they give you very detailed how they want it to look and not look. So of course, I have to respect that. But so when I can go work on a 
project and I get to have the freedom to be artistic, mm-hmm. if I have artistic freedom, that is really lovely to me. It's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it also, I, I mean, I am an artist, obviously not on a canvas. The face is my canvas, but I am an artist. And so I like having that financial, that artistic freedom. Right. No, no, that makes sense. And I like what you said about even just doing things, even if you're not getting paid to do them, because that that's you actually letting out that inner creativity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes Absolutely. that can feel cooped up um, during like mundane kind of day-to-day tasks and things. So um, I like that. I like it too. I'm yeah. actually, I've said before on the podcast, I like love animals. I love dogs, especially. So I've always seen myself working with dogs. So I took the first step this past three months and volunteering at like a dog shelter. And as I'm oh, there, yeah. And as I'm there, I'm like, I would totally do this like every day of my life and not get paid. And I wouldn't even care like if I'm not getting money. So I like That's how you fantastic. said that because, you know, eventually I can maybe open up my own dog shelter or, or I don't know. Be a dog walker. Or, exactly. Yeah. Or a they handler. Make a, yeah. Dog walkers make a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. <laughs> even like dog handlers or trainers, yeah. like you never know. Yeah. That's great. Um, one before we let you go. Uh, I do want to touch on, you don't have to share, <laughs> but oh my gosh, I, I'm scared. <laughs> no, it's not that bad, but I don't want to like, I, I because, you're celebrity, yeah, yeah. because you're a celebrity makeup artist, we were wondering if there's any, you don't obviously don't have to name anybody. If there's any stories, funny stories of people that you worked with that were just not maybe the most cooperative to work with when you were doing their makeup or something like that, like any funny stories that or, you your best. Touch on. or your, or like the best experience you've ever had. Okay. Okay. Well, there's two. Okay. I am so lucky with my, to me, my job is so gift with purchase because I get paid a lot of money and then I get to meet like, uh, I work a lot with the food network. So I work with Bobby oh, nice. Flay and Tyler Florence a, a lot oh. and I love them. Tyler. Florence I love Bobby is, Flay. I, always, I was just <laughs> watching Bobby Flay. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. He's really nice. He made one day um, on, I had been told he was difficult, so I didn't know what to expect, but he couldn't have been nicer. He was super funny. And he knew who my husband was. And he <sighs> said, are you married to Ken Flack? And I go, yeah. Wow. I didn't know you knew. He goes, how the fuck did you get that guy to marry you? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> how did you get me to marry him? Yeah. <laughs> <Opposite>. <laughs> So he was so funny. And then Tyler cool. and I, yeah, Tyler, um, he and his wife were my neighbors in Mill Valley. And so we, they're like, my kids call them uncle Tyler and Holland. And so I spent holidays with them. And so we just did a, a TV series, a pilot for a TV series for the food network that hopefully gets picked up. So that'll be fun. Uh, Isaiah Washington, he used to be on Grey's Anatomy. Mm. He was mm. Christina's uh, husband, I think. Okay. Okay. Anyway, okay. Yeah. I did a TV series with him called kitchen talk and that was super fun. And he was hilarious. Uh, it was a talk show in the kitchen. It was super fun. Okay. Oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. It's, nice. it's like, if you think about it, all interesting conversations happen in the kitchen. So it's true. Like so while you're true. cooking or you're just right? chilling in the kitchen, like you yeah. walk in the house, the straight, the person, straight right? kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you go for is the kitchen. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, I did that with him and he was so funny. He always wanted to make sh- sure that I was nearby. And so he would be like, Christina, where are like, he always like yell for me. And the producers said when they were editing, they heard, they had like 20 different hearing Christina, like <laughs> touch ups. <laughs> yeah. um, who else? Um, I, I just worked with uh, the CEO of Ford truck. Oh, oh wow. States, 
last week. And then I had uh, the CEO, the new CEO. She's a French woman of Instacart. Mm. Okay. I've heard of Instacart. Same. Yes. Um, I worked with Hillary Swank. Uh, I love Hillary. I saw that. I saw that you worked with Hillary Swank. I'm like, damn, I love Hillary Swank. Yeah. Cond- cool. Condoleezza Rice was amazing. She's a big golfer. So she's fun. I, I've worked with Metallica and Jordan. I've worked, I've been so lucky. Johnny Weir. God, love, love, love him. Mm. He's a, he was a professional ice skater. Okay. He was so much fun. I loved him to pieces. So I don't, I, I don't That's know. They're all, my, they're all my favorites. All your favorites. All. Yeah. They're all my favorites. I love them all. I couldn't pick one that I love best. They are, they're all special to me. That's so nice. Like on the outside, from the outside looking in, you hear like celebrity makeup artists and you think like it, it's like an environment where, I don't know, it's like very rigid and, you no, know, I would think that perfect. too. I would think that celebrities want to look like a certain way. So they're very like, which, this, may, that, which that. may be true. It does make sense too, because like, you know, you're being photographed or on television or whatever, but it's nice to see that they're all just so they're like regular people. Yeah. Yeah. That's cliche yeah, to say, but most of them, like, I think most of them that I've worked with, let me kind of do what I want. I mean, I always ask them, okay, is there anything specific that you want or not want? And then, but they usually just say, do whatever they know. How do I say this? When their, their face is more important to me than it is to them sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's my, it's my, it's my work Work, out there. So So reflection of you a little bit. Yeah. Right. So I care about how they look like as much, if not more than they do. So they, they trust that, that. I'm going to do the best job I can and make them right. look like the best version of them. So, and a lot of them, you know, they've been doing this for so long. They just know, like, let, let me do what just I need let, to do. Let, let the makeup artist do her job. Yeah. 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 It's nice. It's, it's very, it's hard to having clients that are so controlling is really, really awful. Um, mm. Because and, and some people, it's interesting. It doesn't even need to be famous people. It's actually civilians. I'll say are a lot times more difficult because they do their own makeup and they're used to looking a certain way. And if I my interpretation is so different mm-hmm. that they feel really uncomfortable mm. looking so different that they don't like it. So right. I always have to make the person feel good about how they're looking. And sometimes I really won't agree with eyeshadow color or like the Mm -hmm. way they want their liner or something, but I, it, the more important thing is them going out there and doing their job and they, and they have to feel comfortable doing it. And, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's the weird thing. Sometimes I'm like, are they even, are we even looking at the same thing? Like, how do they think they look good like that? But no, yeah, this, this makes sense because when I used to get my makeup done at Sephora, I would go home and wash it all. And right? be like, what did you do to my face? Because like a certain they way back, like I like, you. yeah. Or because maybe they thought that like my lips look better underlined, but I like to overline them or my nose right. contour. So I'm like, you changed my whole face. This is not <laughs> how I want my face to look. But well, that's I mean, the thing that the makeup artist has to listen to the client. I mean, it's imperative. Yeah. You just can't, unless they tell you just do whatever I don't do whatever care. you want. Yeah. But if they, you know, for you, like if I was doing your makeup, I would be like, okay, do you like your lips? What do you want? I mean, you would, I also appreciate if someone's very clear on what they want, like, mm-hmm. like how you just said, well, I like my lips over out a little bit. And that's always helpful. If, mm-hmm. if someone's clear on what they want, I, I would prefer that. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. It makes sense. Um, 
Okay. I mean, do you have any other questions? Or no, I think you covered it all. <laughs> <laughs> I know we kind of like, we spit fired a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Um, no, thank you so okay. much for, for coming on thank and talking to us. Um, oh can God, you, my pleasure. Can you reiterate the sepsis.org website? Org? Yes. Sepsis.org. Sepsis.org. I'm going to type it in yes. here so that I can share it. Yes. Um, and then also we are offering, um, 25% discount with discount code pretty girl. If you go to prettygirlmakeup.com. Sepsis.org and mm-hmm. pretty, pretty girl. Girl, girl makeup.com. Mm-hmm. Discount code. Uh, discount code pretty girl. All one word. Mm-hmm. 25%. Perfect. 25%. Okay. Amazing. Perfect. We'll definitely check that out. Yeah. So I'm going to share. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bye.